0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Coffee with Closers, where business leaders share insights on how to build businesses from the ground up and best practices for innovating in their industry. Hey, Bob, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so super thrilled to have you as my guest.
1: It's great to be here. Uh, thanks for having me on your uh, your webcast here.
0: Most certainly, most certainly. Well, I've known you for quite some time, but I'm pretty sure maybe not a lot of people who are not familiar with Bob Perkins. Can you share a little little bit about who Bob Perkins is?
1: Well, I'm a golfer. I'm a father, a husband. <laughs> I try to golf almost every day. But no, um, you know, I kind of grew up uh, in I in, uh, taught school for a couple of years and then it was, t- it was crazy, so I moved into sales, so my, the majority of my career has been in the sales profession, more specifically inside sales, right? And, and hence the, where I am today. Yeah, and obviously
0: from that, you, know, you became, uh, I'm assuming you started as an uh, individual contributor, became a sales leader, and then finally you yeah. decided it's time that I start an association. How did that ever come about?
1: Well, uh, I was an individual contributor for a short period. Didn't really, wasn't crazy about sales. In fact, people ask me, oh, you must be s- such a good sales rep. I go, well, I can sell, but it didn't, it wasn't my thing. I knew I wanted to lead. I knew I wanted to manage things and build things. So I quickly got into leadership and then uh, made this uh, change to inside sales leadership. Within a year or two of, leading inside sales, I had fallen in love for what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And and I think part of the reason was back when I got my start in the early 90s, so this is 25, 26, 27 years ago, <clears throat> inside sales was kind of, yeah, they're the lower class, the, the, the first step into sales. And mm-hmm. if you really want to be successful, you're going to get into field sales, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I said, I'll be damned with this, right? I, 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 I quickly had a mission. My mission was to prove that inside sales could sell as effectively as face-to-face. Mm. And here we are, 26, 27 years later, and you know we kind of know what the rest of the story was. So, um, and, and as I worked for a few different companies, building and improving, uh, growing their inside sales teams, I realized, boy, we, we didn't have many resources. I looked for inside sales professional training. I couldn't find much. I tried to go see where what other people were doing for hiring and coaching and compensation. Couldn't find anything. So I began to form an in, uh, a small <coughs> thought leadership network. And we'd, we'd share ideas kind of informally. I'd go to a company and I'd look and benchmark how they're doing inside sales. And I knew back then that we needed something like the AAISP. So, after like thinking about doing it for three years, I finally said, We're gonna do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, here we are.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I was looking at your LinkedIn, it's been twelve years It May is when I, I see that you started this. So kinda crazy yeah. that we're we're talking almost twelve years after that you started yeah. this. It's a crazy yeah. journey. So obviously, as you said, right, when you were in the field, like you doing it, you you saw a lot of changes. And how has your kind of your outlook uh, on inside sales or sales as a, as a as a function? How has that changed over the years, especially with the advent of technology and and the automation and everything that we're seeing coming into that space?
1: Well, I, I'll I'll tell you that from the the buyer's perspective, we we tend to always think about how we have changed as sales people but I think the big change has been in and really in the buying process you know today um I like to say that buyers have been amazonized Mm. amazonized right (laughs) meaning I can fire up amazon search I can get reviews I can get technical data I once had uh, I had to buy a a mini plug for my uh for Bose headset Mm -hmm. and it had seven wires in it and I'm like well I'm used to two wires so I pulled up a schematic online and figured out how to solder the the wires. So they can do research, and so buyers want to be met the the way they want to be met by salespeople, and it has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't rely quite as much on them, but when they do rely on them, they want a thought leader and a partner. Mm-hmm. Technology has made it possible to go face to face. You and I right now are face to face. We know through research that uh, oxytocin is released when we see each other, we smile, you smile. Uh, so we can engage and build trust with customers over the phone, via video, uh, via email. So that's, you know, that. hence uh, this pandemic we're in now, uh, everyone's thrust into their home and we're not mi- missing much of a beat really.
0: Mm-hmm. So you you believe, if anything, the technology has only enhanced the way that we were able to sell. It hasn't really uh, basically hindered uh, our ability to be able to do
1: that. Oh, not at all. In fact, now you can now a busy decision maker can can just, you know, call someone. They can do they can do a a video call right on their iPhone. uh, So it's enhanced that it doesn't mean. Uh, it, it does not mean at all face-to-face is going away. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. In fact, I I predict a little bit when we come through this thing in a year from now, it may even be more valuable mm-hmm. to actually go in person. So uh, there's no such thing as the death of the field salesperson now. Mm-hmm. That said, even field sales people now, uh, what they thought they would never do, they have to do. <laughs> uh, I, I spoke to 30 uh, IBM reps uh, uh, last week and I was teaching them about some best practices of being in a home office and still having to prospect at the cell. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: It's a, it's a complete shift, a mindset shift almost in terms of how how that goes. Uh, obviously, you kind of were trying to make some predictions there. What, Where do you see as the technology is advancing? I mean, you were, t- you were hearing about sales automation, sales sequencing. I mean, people are actually hiding behind a little computer and doing like spending, you know, thousands of plates at a given time, right? So where do you see this actually heading as the sales organization evolve?
1: Well, I see a bit of a gap and, and I think you're right. I think technology, AI, things like that, uh, there's a lot of good. Mm-hmm. But also I believe the, the human, the heart and soul and the empathy of a human being got just kind of knocked a little bit to the side, Right, so I think we're going to see a, a resurgence in the human connection. Right, that's why I like video so much because before we started doing this, this live video or even one-way video, we, all we had was this. Today, if I turned off my video and we were talking over the phone, I wouldn't feel good to me. Mm. I'm like, well, I can't look in your eyes. <laughs> I can't smile. I can't see you smile. So. Uh, but but it's not going to stop there, no. right? We're going to have holograms. We're we're gonna, you know, we're all going to have these little video Dick Tracy watches, right? So technology is going to continue to evolve, but but we can't let the human component be left aside. In fact, we even see some gaps in in our salespeople. Quite honestly, mm-hmm. they're so they're so tech technology enabled. They're multitasking. They're not good listeners. Mm-hmm. What is good listening skill? Well, it's, it's a human skill, right? What's good communication skill? Mm-hmm. It's a human skill. So let's not get too far away.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I'm like a note taker and I, I don't know, I think I have like this, I, I can remember after like three months of having that intro meeting, I remember exactly what all the pain that my prospect shared with me three months ago that I don't need to reference the CRM notes. Um, but I know some today, like people are like, oh, if I don't have my CRM, I'm, I'm, I'm handicapped. I, can't, I, I don't know what <laughs> yeah. they said, right? Yeah. Because we're too, too dependent on that. But I think yeah. it's, you brought up a good point because you can't eliminate the human factor from sales, especially in the B2B high ticket sales sector, right? Because we're, mm-hmm. we're always going to need to have that. I, I know software companies are changing that a little bit. Uh, I know companies like HubSpot all have like you self-serve. You come in, you download your, you know, the free trial yeah. and you like it, you upgrade to something, uh, yeah. higher packages and all that stuff. But I think at the end of the day, I don't know if any, we're ever going to get to a place where completely we're removed from ever having a sales rep uh, sell to another human beings. But I think to, with everything else happening in the technology sector, what do you think is still some of the fundamental characteristics that you see in really good A player salespeople that are just, that's evergreen?
1: Um, yeah, well, um, you, see, um, you see kind of this fire in the belly, right? This, mm-hmm. this um, persistence, this eagerness, this goal orientation that they're going to push. Uh, as hard as they need to push they're gonna push themselves they're going to block out time specific for prospecting there's a regimen and uh, you know sales just don't happen right you know uh, you can only get so many bluebirds coming in at the end of the quarter right so it takes a lot of grit and determination so I think that's a big one I really do Um, I do think uh, critical listening skills and 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 really delivering value back to the customer based on their needs and based on what they really need to help them not based on a you know every feature that your product offers mm-hmm. Uh, I like to use this little phrase, "keep it in the bag." Well, back many, many years ago, even before—well, I guess when I got my start, in sales salespeople actually carried a like a a bag or a briefcase. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I used the word briefcase the other day to <laughs> some millennial, and they go, "What the hell is what that? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> What's a briefcase?" <laughs> I heard of that, um, but uh, and and good salespeople would not pitch or show the product until they fully Knew that their product could could help, mm-hmm. uh, and they earned a, earned the right to present it. Mm-hmm. So I tell people today just keep you know, shut your mouth, ask questions, keep the product in the bag, mm-hmm. and learn as much as you can. Because if you let the other person talk, and you listen and you and you clarify for understanding, you're gonna find you're gonna find some things that you can probably help with.
0: Yeah. And I think the, like that critical listening factor, I think I've often seen that to be something that people overlook because they've done so many discovery calls. They just kind of like, Hey, I know how to prescribe before I ever diagnosed. Right. And that's, yeah. that's just the nature of salespeople. Like, hey, I just want to jump to that close. I don't want to spend yeah. the time to get to know this guy. I already know what his problem is. Right. Yeah. That, that's yeah. just a nature that I think, you know, once you've been in the profession and with the same company or selling the same product over and over, I think you can get into that mode. And do you think detrimental
1: to somebody's uh, ability to, to to sell better? The premature pitch, right? Totally. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, there's a, a woman uh, named Jill Rowley. Uh, Jill was known for being a social selling expert, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago. And she she made this comment once. I'll never forget it. She goes, seek to understand before you try to be understood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, a lot of inexperienced salespeople, well, you, you need to hear me, I need to be understood, I know this can help you, but they haven't sought to understand first. I, I love that simple phrase.
0: That's almost like a good relationship advice too. <laughs> Not yeah, just for right. sales. Yeah, yeah. A yeah, lot a of times we have this tendency, yeah. I, I want them to understand my side of the story, uh, yeah. right? Like that's just our human tendency sometimes. So obviously, you talked a little bit about the actual individual contributor. What what some of the things that takes them to be a good, high performing sales rep? What about for a sales leader? What have you mm-hmm. seen to be critical character for a sales leader?
1: I could I could talk about this all day. This is the near and dear to my heart, um, and uh, I you know every day I I look through a a daily uh, guide on leadership, a daily devotional that that talks about different traits. Mm-hmm. A big one for me is. Is you no longer you, you you no longer have an individual identity mm-hmm. you 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 no longer it's not about you anymore when you become a leader it flips from an individual contributor which is all about you right well yes you, you, it's about your customer taking care of them. yes it is mm-hmm. but when you're an individual contributor you got to you have to make the next deal you have to hit your goals you mm-hmm. have to you know you have to win you have to close have a good close rate as a leader uh, it flips it completely around and now it's about a collective group mm-hmm. now maybe you might have 8 reps you might have 3 reps you might have 300 reps mm-hmm. right but now the group as a whole now becomes the most important sacred thing that you have been entrusted with, mm-hmm. okay? And um, you, you need to, at all costs, a leader has to protect and motivate and guard and care for and mentor this group. Sure, they may coach an individual, they may mentor an individual, but the group is above any uh, player on the team. It's kind of like the basketball team, and they have this person that just is so great, and uh, um, they're hogging the ball. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what will happen, right? So, I often tell story. You know, I often share thoughts about um, if you have one bad attitude on a team. Let's say you have a team of ten, you have someone with a bad attitude. That the leader has to be so. Um, careful mm-hmm. to guard the other nine people that if they have to they'll remove the attitude mm-hmm. uh, i've known leaders that had to remove a bad attitude and it was their number one rep mm-hmm. but then after that months later the whole team starts producing better because they're not sucked down with the bad yeah.
0: attitude. yeah that's an interesting point that you made obviously something that i recently heard it's from my pastor who used an illustration from The sports arena he said Phil Jackson when he was the coach of the Chicago Bulls and then when Michael Jordan was actually uh, when he was brought on uh, and then Michael Jordan wanted to have championship and then Phil told him for you to get championship you got to miss 15 shots in a game or something like that basically don't make those 15 shots because if you keep hugging the ball nobody else is gonna make the shots and then you're you're never gonna get that championship because you're the you're the only player that the whole team is built around which is right. I mean, crazy, I think he went, came back to Chicago and made what, six championship or something? But yeah, he certainly yeah. took that advice and let other people in his team play that. Play that. But I think it, we don't necessarily think that way in sales because we still come down to like, hey, I'm my, I'm my quota. I have to deal with you know, what I have to do to win my, you know, win my deal. Which is ca- kind of hard at the end of the day. We're, we're all in it for the company and not just individually yeah. for, for yourself.
1: And and, and inside sales has a has a unique dynamic because it was brought up, it was raised on teamwork. Mm -hmm. It really was. Yeah, you might have a discrete quota. Individuals have their own quota, but they're there together. Yeah, they're learning together. They're winning together. So I think um, yeah, you want someone that's star player. yeah, you want you want star players, right? Mm-hmm. But you gotta have a balance of teamwork in there as well.
0: Yeah, I, in your bio, I was reading something about you. You said something about team selling. What
1: exactly is that, by the way? Well, team selling—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's not as common as it used to be. But back when inside sales really took off in the early two thousands and um, two thousand five ten, back in those days. Mm-hmm. Most companies, especially the high tech firms, most of them had a team selling model, meaning I paired an inside rep with one, two, three, four, or five field reps. Mm-hmm. The inside rep did all sorts of stuff. They could you know, they could help with a help the field rep with something. They could mm-hmm. go close a small deal but they were sort of beholden to the field rep to give them guidance and direction and do whatever they needed to help make the field rep more successful. That's a team selling model. Now it still exists today. Mm -hmm. The discrete model is no, uh, these inside reps have their own accounts. There's no field reps on these accounts. They're owned by inside sales and they got to close down the quota. Mm -hmm. Uh, What we found in the last about five years ago uh, six years ago, uh, it was about a 50/50 split between those deploying a field model mm-hmm. and those deploying discrete. Well, today it's probably 65% discrete um, because we always knew inside sales could stand alone as a sales you know, person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's still some there's still some models that uh, T models work very well at.
0: Yeah, and I think this whole concept of like division of labor, almost you have the SDR versus AE function, almost right? That's something is it making a comeback. I think in the past they used to say the appointment center, which was not as sexy as it sounds, <laughs> yeah. sales development rep, right? Uh, so I think I think that shift is almost what I think you're describing. Like you you have like a junior rep who's becoming that A, that he's bu- booking appointments and then grow up to becoming that account executive in the future and hopefully being a right. leader some in the future. But obviously, you know, you've touched on some of the, the skills and all those things that are required to be a pro player, but what my my question here is you know you, you see those those people in your team that are they have the will they have the, the know-how right they have the skill but that the willingness is lacking right so that, that I've seen to be a, a big problem with an organization because there's that player that you know that guy can be an MVP if he just put yeah. his mind into it, but something yeah. is is not right right Is it the organization is it the product Is it the leadership? how do you it, kind of uncover that
1: problem? Well here. That's a good, good question. I immediately go to uh, culture. Mm-hmm. I go to expectations. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have built a few different inside sales models and, and teams and the way a good leader can foster a great culture. I mean, for, for me, a great culture, looks like this. If you join the team, you know the expectations are here. Nobody has to look over your shoulder and micromanage you. To oh, did you make your si-? if you have a manager, I'll tell you right now, kind mm-hmm. of cut th- cut through this pretty quick. Mm-hmm. You have a manager that's always talking about activity metrics. Mm-hmm. You got it. You got a bad situation. A manager should not have to do that. Um, yeah, when when people are on boarded and they're coaching and training of course you got to talk about activity, right? But a great culture is where the reps would be would feel horrible and be highly disappointed if they didn't meet the expectations themselves. Mm. Because if you're in a good, high-performing organization with a good culture, you don't want to disappoint and, and you want to meet these expectations. In other words, you're self-motivated,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? the man the leader then is one who trusts at all cost who blows wind in people's sails who's who really has to be that a bit of a cheerleader motivator i remember once early in my management career i had another peer manager saying it's not my job to motivate the team and i'm like that's uh weird. that's your number 1 job buddy <laughs> Now, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you, you know, it doesn't mean if you got some sluggard on the team that has no will or motivation that you have to fix it. No, it doesn't mean that. But you have to set a high example. I love a a leader who's high trust, cares about people, but also has really high expectations, Mm -hmm. but doesn't have to micromanage it to get there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So imagine that you had that challenge uh, getting started because you had you didn't have a high performance team or the people wearing with you uh, to get to get to that level of culture that mm. you want. What, what are some practical steps a small an organization can take to, to to improve upon?
1: There's a great book out there, and I know the title. It's called "Don't Fire Them, Fire Them Up," mm. and it was about a Xerox uh, district manager who. Inherited like the 49th out of the 50th worst district <laughs> in Xerox, and he went in. And he led by example. Mm. He 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 told the truth. He went on more sales calls than his reps went on. Mm. And so you sometimes you have to lead by example. You have to uh, inspect what you expect. You have to get out there and, and set the example of what a motivated rep looks like and what they do mm-hmm. and he turned I think within two years he became number two or number one in the company mm. you know so um, you you can't accept uh, you have to have a high expectation but you have to also have a high tolerance you have to be patient you have to be uh, show empathy but you got to keep those expectations high Mm -hmm. and you got to model them yourself. You, you, you gotta be, you know, I, I was often the first one in and the last one to go.
0: Mm.
1: Right. Because you're, you know, that's how you build trust. I one time uh, years ago, uh, I inherited a new team. I had it. I had a, I was a director and I had four or five managers under me. They put a new team in and, I had a lot going on, but I decided to go check in on this new team. And I sat down with a rep and he was struggling getting people to talk on the phone. Mm-hmm. So I said, D- do you mind if I make a couple calls and kind of looks at me and goes, sure. So I got on the phone, I made some calls and he, and he listened. Now, I was a director. I wasn't the, I wasn't the frontline manager of this team. And about 20 years later, yeah, it wasn't that maybe 15, 16 years later, um, my son goes to work at that same company that I was the director at Mm. and he bumps into this guy and meets, Oh, I'm Brian Perkins. Oh, Brian, did you know about Perkins? Mm. And Brian goes, yeah, he's my dad. (laughs) And the guy goes, he goes, I got to tell you something. He goes, I've been doing this for 20 some years. And he's the only manager that ever came over and modeled how to make a phone call. And so that made me feel good. You know, Mm. like, not that I was doing anything great, mm-hmm. but, it you know, but it sent a message to me that we need more leaders like that yeah. out there. It's not, it's
0: not yeah. just do as I say, say, but, you know, not as I do.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, right. You got to model. You do have to model the, um, you know, the the tone, the culture, the behavior you want.
0: Yeah, most certainly. So obviously, you know, the the, the, the progression most people have is like, hey, I start as an individual contributor. I want to become a sales leader. Someday I become... You know, some some higher level, right, in the in the corporation. Mm-hmm. So, what advice yeah. do you have for somebody who's an aspiring guy who's an amazing individual contributor to kind of get to that next level in his career? Well,
1: they 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 may or may not be cut out for management. I I've seen many many times, and we've all heard this that your number one or number two player doesn't automatically become a great leader. Part of that is what I talked about before. They're so self motivated. And they are so, you know, focused on winning that next deal that 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 right there doesn't translate too well to leadership because it's a flip of that. I often tell I tell people this today, if you if I had to go be a sales rep, I, I could do it. I wouldn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. I might even fail at it, quite honestly, Um, because that's you know, that's not my calling. Mm -hmm. Right. My calling is to help other people. So you have to have a strong calling. Um, you have to want it for the right reasons. It's it's not about money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about recognition. Although it's nice to get recognition as a leader, we all like it. But it's really about recognizing others and helping others make a lot of money and making the team successful as a whole. So you got to you got to have the right. Motivation uh, before you think. Well, I have been a rep for five years. It's time to be a manager. Mm-hmm. You got to want it.
0: Yeah. So you know the the big companies are luxurious. They have the luxury, right? Like especially the tech companies that are well funded. They have multiple tiers of leadership. You have the sales operation person as DRS, AEs. Then you have the VP of sales and you know directors and all sorts of stuff like that. But smaller organizations don't have that luxury, right? So right. and then you have sometimes what you have like an individual contributor who's also playing a little bit of a coach and he's also a manager, and I know it's not the the ideal scenario, but what what would you recommend in those scenarios for the business uh, that's trying to make one person function as a couple of
1: a couple of different roles? Don't do it. Hmm. It's it's I've done it. I've I've lived that many times. I never liked. In few cases, I've never. Uh, never really liked somebody wearing two hats, right? Being both a player and a a leader. Part of the reason is if somebody's in a team leader role and they're struggling, the first thing I ask them, "Can you hire and fire?" It's the First thing I ask them. Well, not really. I, well, then you're not. You know, you're really not a. You may be a a helper, mm-hmm. you know, but you're you're really not. You, you don't have all the you don't have the full responsibility to make it your team, right? So I'm not saying don't I'm not saying don't take a sales rep and then give them some responsibility to mentor someone to do a to, to a presentation in a in a staff meeting. I b- believe me, that's those are great ways to help bring someone up to make them a senior rep. Maybe to say, hey, you three reps here go to Mary as, as kind of the senior rep and. If she can't help you, then escalate it. Those are all great things, but be so, so, so darn careful mm-hmm. of taking a quota-driven sales rep and giving them another job to oversee people. Mm. It's tough. Yeah. Uh, it's tough to even define, you know, how much you can do and can't do. Yeah, uh, does that you, make sense?
0: Yeah, and it yeah. doesn't leave room for uh, coaching and and training up that rep who are, who might be struggling, but we've seen this to be the case with a lot of smaller organizations, especially because they just don't have the finances to fund that VBO sales or the director role or whatever those things are, or sales managers, right. then you kind of put, Oh, this person, you know, my CRO, but he's also the, yeah. the manager and also carries his
1: own. Yeah. Quotes. Well, I, you know, look, look, uh, we're, we're AISP. We're small. We have 10 people. Mm-hmm. So, everybody wears a lot of hats around here i mean I, i'll do everything right so that's okay but but just be careful of really is this are you expecting them to manage or or just to help there's a big difference makes sense makes sense and i'm sure you know in your career
0: uh, obviously building this association for the last you know uh, 12 years and and being a sales leader in the prior jobs um have you heard some very foolish advice that you
1: you've heard salespeople getting from uh, other people are getting difficult. Uh, I'm trying to think of, you know, yeah, here's one I've heard a lot. Mm-hmm. And I can't I I, just, I can't disagree with it anymore. Uh-huh. Sales is just a numbers game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sales is a numbers game. Oh my gosh. No. You want to know how I know it's absolutely not a numbers game? Mm-hmm. And that is if it was as easy as making sixty calls and thirty emails a day, anybody could do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a numbers game. Oh, so I make sixty calls, I am gonna automatically hit my quota? <laughs> no, no, no. Mm-hmm. In fact, i've I've had as uh, I've had reverse correlations mm-hmm. between activity and results. How do you figure? Oh, something called human. Something called quality, something called listening skills, something called empathy, something called grit, determination, organizational skills. So it's not just a numbers game. It doesn't mean activity. Activity is very important, mm-hmm. very, very important. But if any, if you know, you show me someone that I, I what 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 do you want me to meet? Sixty calls, thirty emails, this cadence, that cadence. Anybody could do it, and mm-hmm. you and I know that not a lot of people can do it. Yeah. Uh, just look at our statistics on those making quotas. It's, it's, it's hovering around 50%. So, mm-hmm. what does that tell you? It's a tough job. I mean, you know, I didn't last in it very long. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, I got right into management, but, you know, it's a tough I mean, you know, it's one of the hardest jobs in the world. But yet, if we didn't have people taking orders, not, nobody else would have jobs.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you yeah. know, revenue is. What what makes the world turn? That's true. And companies work, and it's salespeople that get the revenue.
0: But I think it also comes down to what you're selling, because oftentimes what I've seen is people who are not passionate about what they're selling. Then yeah. it's it's just a chore. It's a it's a job, it's a, yeah. and they're just yeah. paying the bill with it. And then you can you can smell that when they're when they're coming to you, right? Whereas somebody who believes their product, believes in that company, believes what they're selling is going to help the other organization then they're not selling they're actually helping right when that shift happens in their mind then everything becomes a lot lot more natural for them and it's It's more
1: natural it's 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 second nature although i will say i've seen some of the opposite that i've seen a great salesperson find a way to believe in the product they're selling you know what i mean they they, they get their mind around it And, and so some, you know, I've seen some salespeople that fail that said, you know, I, I'm not sure I really believe in the company and the product, but really what it is, is, you know, they're just not getting after it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it can be an excuse, but I, but to your point, I agree. I've seen where people have, you know, they, they, oh, I really understand this now. Now I know where it fits in and they're more confident selling it. Mm-hmm. So looking back on your career,
0: and I'm sure there's been a lot of people you influenced, and I'm sure there has been some some folks that has influenced you. Is there anybody that comes to mind that actually influenced your leadership style or your your overall you know, career as a whole?
1: Well, I had a couple of great brothers growing up that I learned some amazing lessons from. I had a brother uh, no longer alive, but... He he taught leadership at West Point. He was a West Point graduate. And he taught leadership, and he he um, you know he modeled leadership. Right, he was the one out when they went on exercises out in the field. That he'd be uh, he was a captain, and instead of riding in the captain's jeep, he was running, literally you know mm-hmm. jogging out in front of the pack. So I learned from him. My my mom, my parents were great teachers to me. Um, you know, my mom was. Uh, Uh, the first female pilot of an airplane where we grew up in upstate New York. In fact, she flew for the Civil Air Patrol and and recently was awarded the uh, Congressional Gold Gold Medal for that. So, you know, I have a, I had a mom who was, uh, Mm. she was out there leading the charge, so to speak, you know. So yeah, I would say family, uh, mostly, Um, you know, some some good uh, peers, some good folks around the community some good books. I'm looking at a lot of the, a mm-hmm. lot of the leadership books over there that I have. And yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, certainly I think, like you said, like the, if you have a family and, and sometimes we, we don't really give them the credit that they deserve. Uh, but oftentimes I think, you know, our family plays a big part because you've spent almost a good half of your life um, <laughs> with them. Right. And then yeah, some, yeah. some are fortunate to have great parents who've who really mentored them and encouraged them to get to where they are in life. Obviously, your your son was an example. You just shared the story of uh, uh, where
1: <laughs> I ne- he wanted to be a lawyer. I never, I never dreamed in a million years. I thought when he graduated college, I said the last thing he's going to do is go into sales. And now he's a now he's a manager, right? He was an individual contributor and um, won a couple of presidents' clubs and took me to one of the clubs as his guest. Said, Wait a minute, you can take your dad to P club. He goes, yeah, people do it. Like, go, okay. Must be a nice son that
0: he decided yeah. it was more fun to be with his dad.
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> so if you can actually go back, right? Like the 27 years ago, the, the, the Bob Perkins, what advice would you give your your younger self uh, with uh, knowing what you know today?
1: Whew, oh boy. You know, the number of mistakes I've made, uh, too many to count. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd say maybe I'd say you know just slow down a little bit. <laughs>
0: hmm.
1: You know, life is short. Smell the roses. Um, be extra kind to those that you love. You know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, would would you
0: do anything differently if you if you were to do it again? I
1: know. You- <laughs> <laughs> oh sure. Yeah, there's a lot I'd do differently. Yeah. There sure is. Yeah. Um, you know, I think anybody looks back and says, uh, "Boy, if I if I had done that, or if I had done that, or if I hadn't hadn't done that, yeah, there's things I'd do differently." But you know, no 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 regrets or no disappointments uh, uh, other than um, you know uh, take a little time. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: a lot of times take, I think our yeah, our life experience is what shapes us who you who we are, right? Yeah, that, that I think it, it kind of it's almost required uh those life experiences to kind of mold us and make us into the, the the resilient people that we are right yeah obviously my closing question is you know we're all salespeople. we've you know whether you are the founder whatever function you play we still have that sales function right That that's yeah. we have that hat are, are there yeah. any productivity hack that bob perkins have that everybody should be uh kind of following or at least uh, try to adapt
1: uh, and, uh in terms of like p uh, what, what you, you know, Like
0: anything that you do in terms of like productivity, like, Hey, how do you stay? You know, like, how do you make sure that oh, you're productivity? Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh um, yeah. I, you know, there's, there's, um, I, there's a couple of things I did in my career that I thought were real helpful. I, I would, after the kids went to bed, and this could be a different time for you, but after the kids went to bed Sunday night, I actually drove into the office and why did I do that? Because I wanted to clear my inbox fix my calendar, and then start listing up what I need to accomplish the following week. So when I got in Monday morning, Mm -hmm. I was ready ready to go. So many people get in Monday morning, let's see, well, I got to get my coffee here. Uh, I got to, you know, turn the computer on. I got to look at my emails I forgot to reply to last week. Mm -hmm. And and two hours in, they're now starting to plan the week. Mm -hmm. So that was a big help for me. Um, I, I am not the most organized, I'm, I'm kind of a disorganized person because I am doing a lot of multitasking. That was a big help for me. Um, you know, that's one. I think, you know, I think the other one is um, uh, from a, you know, looking to advance your career that a simple, a simple value I have is that you're, you, you are 100 percent responsible for you and where you go and how you get there
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, bad things are going to happen to you you're going to get bosses that aren't very good we've all had them you're going to have coworkers that maybe you don't get along with but never allow that to be an excuse for your own performance and your own advancement i'm Mm -hmm. a firm believer in that and the minute you start doing that, making excuses, you, you, you've failed. Hmm. So I got to where I'm at um, because I believed in that, it, that w- that was largely up to me to get myself there.
0: Hmm.
1: And um, hopefully that'll help.
0: Yeah, most you certainly. Know. And I think a lot of times they think you have the tendency, right? Like some people just sit there and complain about what's going wrong. As opposed to seeing that as an opportunity and, and making something out of it, and if you look at any right. successful entrepreneur's story, they weren't like maybe a couple of them may have had the silver spoon in their mouth when they yeah. were yeah. came out of their mom's mother's womb, but most yeah. of them had to work their hardest to get to where yeah. they are, right? And not, nothing yeah. is easy in life, right? right. So that's an engaging an, an note, and, and obviously some wisdom from you. So I appreciate you sparing this uh, this afternoon with me and sharing some of your insights. Uh, And I'm glad that we're able to do this. And uh, thanks again,
1: Bob, for joining me. Thank you very much, it was my pleasure.
0: This episode of Coffee with Closers is brought to you by One IMS, a leading digital marketing agency helping businesses win new customers. To request a free marketing ROI audit, please visit oneims.com. If you enjoyed this video, please share it. To make sure you never miss an episode,
1: please subscribe.